Hi everybody, my name is Landon Arenas, thanks for listening to episode 158 of the War Tech Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in the lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. B, Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come and do another podcast. And Father, we pray for our audience that you would continue to bless their lives. I pray that this podcast, this particular episode, would be a an encouragement and a blessing to them. They give them hope for the future, as there are many who are giving uh, predictions of a dire future, not one that is bright. But we pray, Father, that uh, you would keep our speech seasoned with salt, help us to speak with grace and not with unjust anger, and help us to speak truth and not deception, and help us to honor you in all that we do in this podcast. I pray that you would in, uh, increase it as you deem, perp- as your purpose deems it. And uh, I pray that uh, many would be blessed by it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, hey brother. Man. Hey, bro. How are you? Good, good. It's good to good to be back. Oh, absolutely. It's good seeing you. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's been a good week. Went up and saw the grandkids. Oh, how did that go? <clears throat> well, uh, one of them had a birthday. Uh oh, that was pretty cool. So. Nice. Went bowling and little little one, the little one, the two that was a three year old. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think she's four. She's because she told me she says I'm four. <laughs> she's four. Anyway, yeah, anyway, uh, the little one uh, went bowling with us. Nice. And uh, we got one of those racks out and shoved the bowling ball down. The, yeah. You know, she shoved the bowling ball down, down. And she beat some of her sisters. <laughs> oh, nice. Nicely done. <laughs> That's it, funny. But with a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course. But the fact that they, you know, she beat her other sisters, you know, was, yeah. you know, it's great for a young one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The excitement of it all. Well, cool. You had a great time, huh? Yeah, the grandkids, we were granddaughters. Yep. Yeah, so we, you know, we we just went bowling in the middle of the apocalypse, brother. Well, you know, saying. I, I mean, I mean, it's got to be true, you know. I'm the Antichrist coming, right? I mean, uh, a few weeks ago oh. it was it was uh, the mask. If you didn't wear a mask, you're an Antichrist. Uh, remember, you know? remember Jim Carrey, the mask. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love that movie. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And now, and now, uh, uh, apparently, uh, um, you know, uh, Putin, 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 Putin is being called the Antichrist of our current time, huh? <laughs> How many people are saying that? Well, did, uh, well, a lot of evangelicals kind of have uh, said that in general, right? Just because they're again 
Gog and Magog, right? Russia, blah, blah, blah. But now Ukrainian bishop calls Putin the Antichrist of our current time. So let's let's say that, you know, last podcast we, we touched upon uh, the Russia-Ukrainian uh, war that is going on. And we spoke from a biblical standpoint and how it has nothing to do with biblical end times and biblical prophecy. Uh, Absolutely nothing. To and do nothing, bro. But, you know, it was a good episode because a lot of people. It's probably one of the, what did I tell you? It's the first episode where we had the most action on the first week. A lot of listeners. So, obviously, it's a popular, you know, uh, issue that needed to be addressed. Uh, it's somebody, it's something that a lot of people are interested in, especially with this whole end times, last days, end of the world, prophecy fulfillment, you know, uh, spill that they got going. But anyways, this Ukrainian bishop recently argued that Russian President Vladimir Putin is the Antichrist of our current time. Uh, as Russia continues to attack uh, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, so on Sunday, a uh, podcast that featured an interview between a religion and ethics producer, Harry Farley, and Ukrainian bishop, Yevstrati Zoria. Zoria is a spokesperson for the Orthodox Church of Ukraine. So during this interview, the men discuss uh, Putin's belief that Russia and Ukraine have a shared spiritual space. Uh, and quoting here, Mr. Farley, he says, What he's referring to is the arrival of the Eastern Orthodox Church to the region in the 9th century. He, along with many other Russians, see Russia's history dating back to that 9th century empire. Uh, Moscow and Russian Orthodox Church developed, became the, this huge power within the Orthodox Church. Back in 2019, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church split off from Russia and was recognized as independent. A religion is hugely important for Putin's, for Putin's identity, for his psyche. He immerses himself in icy water to mark the festival of, of Epiphany. He wears his baptismal cross. So, you know, obviously this has become, uh, I think, and, and the more we look into what the war is, brother, it has to do with religion. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the extermination of bell worship out of Ukraine. Mm, yep. That's what it is. Uh, whether people want to believe it or not or accept that or not, that's exactly what it is. Putin is doing God's work. Mm. And, and that shocks people when you say that. that you're, let me tell you right now, brother, you're not very popular for saying that right now. <laughs> I could care less if I'm popular. I, I'm going to stick with the truth. And the truth is... Uh, kicking a bunch of pedophiles, um, a bunch of human traffickers, a bunch of Khazarian mafia, and a bunch of Nazis, because Ukraine actually had a, an, an entire battalion of Nazi soldiers. I mean, the real Nazi, like the Heil Hitler type Nazis, soldiers, mm. in, in, you know, in their army. Uh, kicking them out or actually, you know, eliminating them or capturing them and bringing them to justice. That's God's work. Mm. And that's, and people say, well, he's not doing that. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. And that's yeah. exactly what the news media is not talking about. You know and what, brother? I'm glad you're bringing this up. Sorry to cut you up because I wanted to comment. Well, not comment. I wanted to, 
you know, share a little bit more of this uh, article that I, I was reading to you right now. So hold that thought right there. I'm glad you brought that up because this person in this podcast, Farley, he added that he believes Putin sees himself as a kind of messianic figure, a savior to, uni- to reunite Eastern Orthodox churches under Moscow. Right? Soria, the Orthodox uh, uh, um, priest from Ukraine, obviously he pushed back against the messianic portrayal of Putin, arguing that the Kremlin leader is really the Antichrist of our current time. So, with that said, with either one of those mentality and thinking, uh, what says you? Is he really the messianic figure that uh, Mr. Farley's talking about? Or like the priest Soria says, no, he's really the Antichrist. Or you know, the Antichrist of our current time. You know, when the apostle wrote, there are many Antichrists, I wonder, I keep wondering if he was talking about our time when we would make up Antichrist out of thin air and just call them Antichrist. I mean, how many Antichrists have there been in my lifetime? Reagan was called the Antichrist. Uh Uh, I think Clinton was called the Antichrist. Um, I I mean, we're Antichrist. We're not wanting to wear a mask. Oh my, yeah, yeah, I'm an antichrist because they want to wear a mask. I mean, how many antichrists are there going to be that that are turn out to not be antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. Putin's Putin's just one in a line of many. No, the antichrist, as we term it today, mm. was Nero. Mm. He lived two thousand years ago. Say that again, bro. It was Nero. And it's easy to prove. It's very easy to prove. Um, What we're doing is we're taking prophecies that are past fulfilled in our day, but were yet to be fulfilled in the day that they were prophesied, and we're applying them to our day, and it's a misapplication of the prophecies. Uh, and, And then we go wild with these accusations against people without any proof. And, you know, and then we're condemning an entire nation, Russia, based upon what we think is accurate. But we have such a simplistic view of the world, black and white, right? We good, they bad. <laughs> so further, nothing could be further from the truth. Our government, if anybody should be hated in the world, it's our government here in the United States because we have done more color revolutions in nations around the world and disrupted more more uh, legitimately elected officials around the world than any other nation in the world. Mm. So if there's any antichrist today, it would be us, not the Russians. But no, they they go off the Gog and Magog uh, thing of the location and the the, the word Rosh, R-O-S-H in Hebrew, they'd say, oh, see, Rosh, that's Russia by sound association Mm -hmm. and that's utter nonsense absolutely utter nonsense so we can get into the history for a little bit and see what gog and magog really was and what really happened with when it came to the antichrist oh absolutely we'll love to dig into that now let me give you this uh other quote that mr farley said uh, that I thought it was very important, especially with what's going on with this war and how we were just talking about it in the beginning, that it's more, it has to do more religion than anything else. Uh, quoting Mr. Farley here, religion is very important to Russians. 71% identify as Orthodox Christians 
and added into that, more than half of Russians say it is important for a person to be Orthodox Christian in order to be truly Russian. So, again, we're, we j had just said how much of this war has to do with religion. Uh, it has to do with good versus evil. And yeah. If you want to consider that religion, then yeah, I would say mm -hmm. that would qualify. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's not as black and white as people think. The, Euro you, the Ukrainian people are not the evil that I'm talking about. Right. Neither are the Russian people. Neither are the people of the Republic of Donetsk and the Republic of Lungest, which all four of those nations are involved in this war. Ukraine has been in civil war for since 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, and half of Ukraine is pro-Russian and half of Ukraine is pro-NATO. Uh, now, why is half of it pro-NATO? Because the United States went in in 2014 and did a color revolution in Ukraine. The same old sin that we've been doing for a very long time. We disrupted a legitimately elected president in Ukraine, which, by the way, Ukraine has never filed for nation status anywhere in the world. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the UN. I don't like the UN. I wish it'd just go away and dissipate somewhere and we could reclaim that prime real estate there in New York. But <clears throat> point is, they've never filed with the UN to be, as a, to be considered a legitimate nation. Mm -hmm. And this was all coming off of the breakup of the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union empire, which was um, people call Russia, but it was the USSR, the Union Soviet Socialist Republic, and Ukraine was a part of that. And when Lenin um, designated certain areas, uh, it was all one empire. Well, when it broke up, those areas broke up and separated out. Well, Ukraine was one of those areas that separated out. When the United States went in, it did a color revolution in 2014, which was very evil on our part to do that. But we're trying to get a pro-America uh, regime into USS into uh, I'm sorry into Ukraine. Uh, in other words, uh, another way of saying a pro um, globalist cabal mm. regime, yeah. right? Which the globalist cabal, the the, the whole Soros uh, empire, the whole um, Klaus Schwab uh, World Economic Forum, uh, the UN's agendas like 2030. Um, all very, very, very evil and very uh, damaging to humankind. It's crimes against humanity, okay? And uh, they are the ones who pushed the color revolution in Ukraine. Soros was kicked out of Russia for a reason. And the reason is because he came in there and started disrupting things, all right? So <clears throat> 2014 occurred. They got their regime in that they wanted pro-NATO. Well, half of Ukraine didn't like that. They were they were angry with the Western powers, mm. and the fact that uh, through uh, Project Paperclip and other projects, uh, other things that happened after World War II, the Nazis dispersed around the world, and a large number of them came here in the United. States. About ten thousand of them came here to the United States, and they infiltrated our 
institutions, our schools, our universities, our science institutions, uh, they infiltrated government and started building their agenda uh, here in the United States very heavily um, from that time on. And so really it was the Nazis that really uh, through the World Economic Forum and so forth and through Soros. Soros is, is a, he's, he's right out of the Third Reich. Yeah. And some people call this the Fourth Reich. And uh, he did that color revolution. So that kind of gives you a background. So that's why you end up with neo-Nazis in Ukraine. And, and Russia is a little skittish about that because, you know, they got invaded by Germany during World War II. And they've been invaded throughout the entire history of their nation. And they've had to defend themselves throughout the history of their nation. Mm. So they get a little skittish, right? Oh, yeah. So they put in a pro-Nazi, pro-Kazarian mafia, pro-pedophile, uh, pro um you know, basically pro-evil, pro-bell worshiping, because yeah. they're all bell worshippers, um, government into Ukraine. And that's NATO, ladies and mm. gentlemen. Yeah, I'm sorry to shock everybody that what we thought were the good guys are really not the good guys, um, but they're not the good guys. And so th th these two little republics, Dunkeks and Lunkskeks, uh, said we don't like this and they broke away from Ukraine and they were pro-Russian mm. and they said we're not going to be a part of this color revolution that just occurred where these evil globalists came in and took over our country so they broke away well since 2014 Ukraine has been harassing and attacking those people uh, through their Nazi units and so forth uh, for the last eight years. Mm. And so um, they've been getting harassed. And I mean, there's reporters on the ground. There's a reporter on the ground that we mentioned last time, Patrick Lancaster. He's been recording all of this over the last eight years. And he's been recording the atrocities that Ukrainian military, uh, through their Nazi uh, bosses, have been committing against these people and the people of Ukraine as well. And so these people finally said, Russia, come help us. We need help. Well, Russia being concerned about NATO talking about putting uh, troops in that area, which provoked Russia, mm. talking about, uh, you know, they, they said they would pull their missiles out when they made an agreement with Russia. They never did. Um, and then that Russia finds out that there's bio labs in Ukraine operating, building, uh, you know, putting together, you know, Wuhan lab type of viruses, which we just went through a two year period of this COVID-19 manufactured virus, which we talked about the patent on this program, brother. Mm, we even gave right. the patent number on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they were working that kind of program. There was like eight, eight to 10 of those labs in there. In Ukraine, Ukraine was a hotbed of corruption and activity of that nature, and Biden was connected, directly connected to it. When he was vice president, he went to Ukraine and made made, made deals with Ukraine. Yep. And the payoff went to Hunter Biden, who held the uh, family checkbook, right? <laughs> so Hunter was in there making business deals at the same time that the uh, vice president Biden was in there making political deals. 
Well, the political deals had a payoff and the payoff went to Hunter through the business. It was a, it was, you know, the, the whole thing was a shell game, right? It was all set up. So, um, so you can see all the corruption that was going on. Well, Putin's sitting over there watching this whole thing go down and he's just going, holy cow. And they're right on our back, right on our door, right? Right on our yeah. doorstep, oh, yeah. right? So they really, and then they, they still kept egging on and egging on and egging on. They kept provoking, kept provoking Putin. And then finally Putin said, you know what? That's enough. And he acted on it. And that's what we're seeing now. He went yeah. in to deal with Ukraine. Now he's hitting military targets. He's hitting bio labs, which are, you know, which would have been unleashed against the world. They keep trying to get this, this, um, it's biological warfare that they've gone to now, the cabal, and they keep, they want to hit us with biological warfare. And that, that's what those labs were there to do. Mm-hmm. Russia took them out. Thank you, Russia. <laughs> we thank you, Putin. We appreciate it because that would have been bad. Could you imagine five or six more pandemics like we just went through? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Which, you know, is a scam demic. But I mean, because they pretended like it was a real natural virus when it wasn't, it was a bioweapon. You know, five or six more of those bioweapons, the world would go bonkers and we'd lose half of our, at least half of our population. Yep. Um, especially if they get it right. You know, and which they didn't do it very good on with COVID nineteen, but the, you know they keep perfecting and keep perfecting it. So he wiped that whole thing out. I think this is a part of a big plan, brother. I think this is. A, I think that there are powers over here, the real American Republic, that is working with Putin and going, yeah, take those labs out. We don't want them there either. I guarantee you that's what's happening, hmm. and so. Um, so the, the evil is not the American people. It's not the Russian people. It's not the Ukrainian people. It's not the people of uh, Dunkex or Lunkex. It's, it's not none of that. It's, it's a few people who had a, had a, a, a fantasy of taking over and ruling the world, depopulating the world right out of the UN charter. They, they talk about depopulating the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to charter, but the, their agenda, 2030. Uh, Klaus Schwab wrote it right there in his book, COVID-19, Great Reset. If you read the book, he says it right there in the book. This is what we're doing. And so, um, you know, I mean, it's right there, right in the open for everybody to see. And the, the cabal puts it right out in the open because they know nobody's going to pay any attention. We're too busy watching mainstream media, which are clueless. We're too busy, uh, you know, watching the football game, the basketball game. Who's going to win the playoffs? Who's going to, you know, go to work, go home. You know, nobody's paying attention. Well, guess what happened? People started paying attention because it started affecting them. They started taking their loved ones to the hospitals and strange things were happening in the hospitals. And they're going, wait, what's going on? Why did my relative die when my relative was perfectly healthy when he went into the hospital and just had a minor problem? Right. Oh, he tested for, positive for COVID. PCR test was designed to pick up dead DNA. I mean, seriously? Oh, tested positive for COVID. That's a scam, folks. You get those phone calls that sound like they're from a foreign nation saying, oh, I need to, you need to give me your social security number so we can check it. 
right? That's that kind of scam. It's just mm -hmm. on a more sophisticated yeah. level. Right. It's a scam. The whole thing is a scam. It's designed to push the neo-Nazi Fourth Reich agenda right out of the Third Reich agenda, which, you know, they didn't, they, yeah, they lost militarily the war, but they, they didn't lose the war. The war was still going on in their mind, and they said, oh, we'll just, uh, ch we'll just change strategies and infiltrate the world with our ideology, and we'll push it. And we'll find, you know, we'll figure out ways to uh, to weaken those nations. Like, you know, I don't know, critical race theory, right out of the uh, Frankfurt School. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Learn your history, folks. And, you know, and we have, we can't have a simplistic view of the world. The world is a very dynamic, changing and complicated place and we have to kind of have a basic idea of how it's functioning what's going on with it well it's not functioning according to the way how Lindsay and tim lahaye and the you know, that behind series and ci uh, schofield bible and all of that it's not functioning in that way that has been debunked time and time and time again with false prediction after false prediction after false prediction. How many false predictions do we have to have before we start to rethink our paradigm? Hmm. Yeah. We got to start rethinking our paradigm because I guarantee you all this stuff about Putin being Antichrist and Russia being Gog and Magog and here's what they're going to do. It's going to fail again and again and again and again and again. And Russia has been a target of this for quite a while now because everybody's mistakenly thinking that Russia is Gog and Magog. It's not. It never has been. <laughs> but we can, talk, we can talk about what it actually really was. Absolutely. No, you bring up great points. <clears throat> and I think on both sides, sides, when it comes to biblical accuracy, uh, they are both wrong. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, Putin is not the messianic coming, you know, or the Messiah that was coming or is told in scripture. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He came, he conquered death. He's alive and well. Uh, secondly, believe it or not, God is still sovereign over all this situation. So I believe, yes, it goes far beyond what the war is, this religion aspect of it. But at the same time, it's also misapplying a lot of the, the uh, scriptural context into what's going on nowadays, right, brother? Instead of staying in the old, uh, uh, in the first century application of what, you know, scripture is, really. Right. It, that's true. And Gog and Magog wasn't even first century. It was prior first century. It was well, before for the first century. With that said, brother, won't you take right. us on the road of Magog or Gog and Magog? All right. What do so you got you have for us? Basically, you have Ezekiel 34 through Ezekiel 40, and that's really the the um, the passages that, that really encompasses all of that. So I'm going to read to you something that I think is brilliant, and uh, this is out of Last Day's Madness by Gary DeMar, mm. and he's quoting um, uh, James B. Jordan, who... <laughs> gave a brilliant analysis better than I could do. And it's tight. It's, it's concise. Mm -hmm. and so this is basically what Gog and Magog was. Ezekiel 34 states that God will act as good shepherd to Israel and will bring back 
bring them back into the land. He continues this theme in Ezekiel 36, saying that God will make a new covenant with Israel. The inauguration of this new covenant, which we can call the restoration covenant, is described in Zechariah chapter 3, where God removes the filth from Joshua, the high priest, and restores the temple and priesthood. Now, Ezekiel continues in Ezekiel 37 with the vision of the valley of the dry bones. The Spirit of God would be given a greater measure than before, though not, of course, not as great as in the uh, Pentecost in Acts 2. That was a greater measure. And the result would be um, restoration of the people. No longer would there be a cultural division between Judah and Ephraim. Remember, there were two kingdoms before. Mm -hmm. And all would be together as a new people. At this point, Ezekiel describes the attack of Gog, prince of Magog, and his confederates. Ezekiel states that people from all over the world attack God's people who are pictured dwelling at peace in the land. God's people will completely defeat them. However, the spoils will be immense. The result is that all nations will see the victory and the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God from that day onward. Chronologically, this all fits very nicely. The events of Esther took place during the reign of Darius. After the initial rebuilding of the temple under Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel, and shortly before rebuilding of the walls by Nehemiah. Thus, the interpretive hypothesis I am suggesting, until someone shoots it down, is this. Ezekiel 34-37 describes the first return of the exiles under Zerubbabel and implies the initial rebuilding of the physical temple. Ezekiel 38-39 describes the attack of Gog, or Haman, and his confederates against the Jews. Hmm. Finally, Ezekiel 40-48 describes a figurative language, the situation, as a result of the work of Nehemiah. The slaughter of Israel's enemies in Ezekiel 39 fits with the number of, uh, number of deaths listed in uh, Esther 9-16, 75,000 of them. And in Esther 9-5, we read that the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying Ezekiel 38, 5 through 6 tells us that Israel's enemies come from Persia, Ethiopia, which, which was Cush, and from the remote parts of the north, all within the boundaries of the Persian Empire of Esther's day. From Esther, we learn that the Persian Empire extended from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, uh, and that's Esther 8, 9. In other words, and the wind just blew my page and blocked the words. Okay, here we go. In other words, the explicit idea that the Jews were attacked by people from all the provinces of Persia is in both passages. The parallels are unmistakable. So that's what Gog and Magog was. It occurred during the time of Nehemiah. It occurred during the time... Um, you, from Esther to Nehemiah, basically, mm -hmm. um, it, in 586 BC, Babylon went in and took Israel out, right? 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his army. And this was uh, prophesied by the prophets that this would happen. And then um, they were taken into captivity for 70 years. And then after 70 years, they were allowed to go back into the land and rebuild the temple. Now, I think that's Ezra. And then um, Nehemiah was allowed to go back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And that's when the armies came. You look at, at um, Nehemiah chapter 4. You see where the armies start coming in from different parts of the world to challenge the Jews because they're saying, hey, look, you know, they're wanting to rebuild the wall. Look at these guys. And they're, 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 they're upset. They're, un, they're nervous because they know that the God of Israel has done massive things to people who oppose them, right? All right. Uh, they know about the stories. And so they're concerned. And so they're trying to uh, manipulate the Jews or threatening the Jews and all of this. And yet um, God defeated the armies without uh, Israel having to do hardly any fighting at all. And, and everything matches up perfectly. Mm. So um, that's Gog and Magog. It has nothing to do with anything in our future. And, it, and <laughs> the book of Revelation doesn't mention Gog or Magog even once. Right. It, there's no connection between Gog and Magog in the book of Revelation at all. What happened in the book of Revelation occurred during the Roman Empire. That was uh, Nero and his armies. That was when Titus went in in AD 70 and took out the temple. That, by the way, was the third temple. That, that temple was built, financed actually by Herod and built by the Jews. Herod financed it because he just wanted to, he wanted to take credit for it. You know, he was that vain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and that's one that Christ said that it wouldn't, it would come, it's going to come down. Wouldn't one stone stand upon another. So the first temple was destroyed uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar went in and destroyed it in 586 BC. The second temple was built when uh, Ezra went back and then Nehemiah went back and they, you know, they had the temple was built in Jerusalem. And then I can't remember what happened to that one. But then a third temple was built by Herod, financed by Herod. And it took, uh, I think, 40 years, 30, 40 years to build yeah. that temple. Yeah, but, it took uh, quite a bit of and years. It had only been standing like uh, five or six years before it was destroyed by Titus, something yep. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was actually the third temple. You know what the fourth temple is, folks? It's the church. The only prophecy that applies to us today is Daniel's prophecy. The image, where he saw the vision of the image. And the image represented the four kingdoms of the old covenant. Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And a rock came and crushed the image and grew into a mountain. What's that rock? Well, that's the kingdom of God. That's right. That's the church. So what we see in our future, folks, is not an antichrist, not a tribulation period, none of this stuff that, pe that people are just frightening the church with and paralyzing the church with. No, what we see in our future is a triumphant church. You know, th there's only going to be one rule, world ruler 
in our future. Only one. And guess who that is? <laughs> it's not the Antichrist. Nope. That's a clue. <laughs> it's the church. Absolutely. We are going to rule the world. The gospel of Christ is going to rule the world. And it's going to continue to grow. We have a bright future ahead of us if we will just sit up and realize it and stop with this nonsense about images in the book of Revelation being helicopters and nuclear explosions and, um, you know, I don't know what. They just make stuff up. I mean, it's, just, it's, just, it's just crazy stuff that they make up. Yeah. And, no, and, so and there's... And there is not, there has not been one prediction from the dispensationalists, premillennial dispensationalists, whatever, however you want to say it, uh, perspective, the whole left behind series perspective, Hal Lindsey perspective, C.I. Schofield perspective, perspective, not one prediction, not one that has come true. I remember that, you know, of course, they said, oh, Israel formed back in 1948. That's not Israel. Those people there are not Jews. They're, they're, what, they're what's called Ashenaki Jews, or they're basically Caucasians, okay? They're, they're from the line of Japheth, not the line of Shem. They, 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 they uh, claimed the religion of Judaism right out of the Khazarian. Uh, they're part, they were part of the Khazarian uh, mafia. That they claimed Judaism back in the 1000 AD or so. And they migrated into Israel, claiming the religion of Judaism. And actually, they were bell worshipers. And uh, that was just a, the Judaism part was just a cover. And they're genetically, they're Gentiles. And what, the church has just gone nuts. Over this, oh, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. Really? Where? Where's, where's the Jews? The physical Jews. What tribe are they from? Go ask them. Go to Israel and ask them, what tribe are you from? I don't know. Because they're not from a tribe. It, it, the whole thing is such, it, it's such a, a, a wool that's been pulled over our eyes. Mm. It's such a great deception. Yes. You know, whoever pulled that one off, that that you could call, qualify them for the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> but but the reality is 1948 has no bearing on anything. And I remember a book written um, called uh, 88 Reasons the Rapture Would Occur in, 19, uh, in 1988. 88, that's right. Yeah. Remember that, brother? Oh yeah, because that. because they said we well, you know, a biblical generation's forty years. Well, forty years from nineteen forty-eight to nineteen eighty-eight. So we got eighteen. We're gonna so I'll write a book called Eighty-Eight Reasons Why the Rapture is Going to Occur in Nineteen Eighty-Eight. Well, folks, did the Rapture occur in nineteen eighty-eight? <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean that's just one example out of hundreds. We could, I mean, just tons of examples we could give throughout throughout church history of false predictions based upon this false paradigm. We got to stop reading the scripture based upon current events and start reading the scripture in context to the scriptures and the historic events that occurred, which were fulfillment of those prophecies. You say, but there was 10 kings for Gog and Magog. Yeah, well, during that time, there were king. There were, you know what? Um, the 10 kings that, that you're thinking of, 
guess how many provinces, how many uh, section, how many ways it was sectioned off the Roman <laughs> Empire? Ten. Ten. There were ten sections of the Roman Empire which encompassed Europe, northern Africa, and a, a large part of Asia. They had conquered ten. They they broke it. All the nations they conquered, they broke them up into ten seg, uh, sectors or segments. Thus, ten kings representing the Gentile nations. All those nations that they took. I mean, it just so many things. There's so many things to it that um, you look at the two witnesses, for example. What what did the two witnesses do? Well, they were they they were able to do certain things, which identified as Moses and Ezekiel, right? Right. It said they were able to control the weather, and well, that's Ezekiel, right? Stop up the weather. Well, that's that's what Ezekiel did, right? That's yeah. Ezekiel. And then, um, how about uh, turn water into blood? Said so they could turn water into blood. Right. That's Moses. Moses. Well, Moses is the law, and Ezekiel is the prophets. What's the law and the prophets? Yeah. That's the old covenant books. Mm -hmm. There's your two witnesses. Yeah. It's all metaphoric language right yeah. out of, right out of old covenant language. The book of revelation is old covenant metaphoric language. And when you read the prophets, you see it clearly. Yeah. I mean, I could go over all, all this stuff. I mean, it's just, but it, um, I, I don't want to, like belabor i don't want to beat a dead horse but the, the point is <laughs> is that um we have a bright future we don't have a future that's froth with you know the church hanging on by its fingernails oh and the other problem the, the big problem that they have when it comes to this separation of two thousand years is uh that they believe that daniel's 70th week is is separated out from the 69th week remember daniel had 70 weeks of prediction right he predicted mm -hmm. 70 weeks and uh, what the modern uh, so-called prophecy experts are saying is well there's a gap between the 69th and the 70th week because if you take it straight through chronologically the 70th week would run <laughs> would land right smack in the middle of it, 70 a.d which is the time that the temple was their temple was taken down and jerusalem was surrounded by armies and taken out what armies well the 10 sectors of the roman empire the the nations of the roman empire surrounded israel and took them down yeah that's when that happened not future it's not future and so i mean you got to learn your history and so so i mean all this stuff is just so you get these people saying it like what you mentioned earlier, brother, with the 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 guy who was talking about Putin being Antichrist. You're going to get people saying that over and over and again, and we're not going to be able to stop it with this podcast. I mean, we're, we have limited influence, and this stuff is going to keep going. It's going to keep embarrassing the church and people until people begin to finally figure it out. That wait a minute, there's something rotten here. Oh yeah, yeah. And yep, there's something rotten there. It's all these predictions that are failing because they don't understand biblical prophecy, but they run around calling themselves prophecy experts. And everybody, every, there are Christians all over social media parroting this stuff because, you know, everybody wants to be the great prophecy expert, right? Oh, this is what coming. Oh, yeah, you know, I got, I got this thing nailed down. No, you don't. You don't have anything nailed down. 
<laughs> I love it. You know, uh, what's happening in the future? I don't know, but it's going to be nice. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> God's going to make it awesome. That's all I know. You know, well, here's what I, here's what I kind of see, brother. I think what's going to happen is this this worldwide uh, fiat currency that we're on now, it's uh -huh. all going to come crashing down, I think, pretty soon. And the nations are going to start printing their own money again. And they're going to have they're going to have to back their money with some kind of commodity that they have in their own nation. And we're going to go back to that old system again, because that old system worked better. It doesn't enslave people. Uh cryptocurrency might become a thing or something similar to it because a deep state player, a globalist player like Klaus Schwab, Soros and others, they can't track, they can't control that kind of a money system because there are multiple avenues to transferring the money. Uh -huh. Whereas right now with the fiat currency, there's only one avenue and that's through their banks, their world banks. And all the banks are owned by the Rock, Rockefellers and controlled yeah. by uh, the World Economic Forum, which is Charles Schwab's deal. And Federal Reserve is a private bank within that system. I think the Federal Reserve is going to come crashing down. I think God's bringing the whole, that whole system down. And I think what we're going to see in the future is a better system monetarily. People are going to be blessed financially better. And I think we're going to see um, that we're going to get away from um, big pharma's taking a huge hit right now, uh, especially with some of these re revelations that came out within the last week about Pfizer and Moderna. Mm -hmm. They're getting hammered because they the lies that they told and the things that they didn't want to disclose are being disclosed now because they got a court order saying you got to release this stuff. And we're finding out all kinds of mean and nasty stuff about them. And the trustworthiness has gone into the tank, and so the people don't trust them anymore. So I think we're going we are we're going to end up going back probably to something like a naturopathic uh, doctor system, you know, where we're going back to more natural remedies, minerals and vitamins, and um, herbal uh, solutions to a lot of our health problems, which would not have the severe side effects that pharmaceuticals have. The reason, the whole thing about the pharmaceuticals, and some pharmaceuticals are going to be needed. I'm not saying all pharmaceuticals. I mean, there's sometimes you have to have them. But for the most part, most elements can be handled through these natural remedies. We'll go back to, to what God gave us and what he intended. I think that's a better world because this yeah. whole system's coming crashing down. It's going to crash down, I think, in my lifetime, in, in your absolutely. lifetime, brother. <clears throat> oh, absolutely, brother. So that's uh, the future I see. I see a brighter future. I see, and I see the church triumphing over all uh, over everything, over the governments, oh, absolutely, the false, the false religions, and the you know the. Cult and I think, brother, I'm glad you're mentioning the church because I'm 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 blown away, and I'm just always in awe how the church, you know, has been reacting. To all these things taking place to talk about you know not understanding the context of scripture first of all you know misapplying to the end time misapplying the prophecy to nowadays we fail at that secondly uh you know a lot of talk in the evangelical world as to oh the church is suffering oh the church is being persecuted okay i get the persecution part we are but we will always will be persecuted 
But what blows me away, brother, is that we're not acting as what the Bible teaches in, uh, you know, uh, in the church in the New Testament. It's a victorious church already, brother. And all this stuff that is happening, you know, scandals in the church, uh, things being found out, that's the Lord purging, separating the sheep from the goat in his church. And that's that's victory, brother. To me, that's the victorious church. It's get, getting rid of what doesn't belong in the church and continues to be victorious, continues to walk in the light of, you know, the truth of the word of God. Uh, there's a reason why the New Testament calls us priests, right? There's a reason why yeah. the, the, the church is held in high regard. We are Christ's bride, victorious. He died, he resurrected from the dead, and he's sitting at the right hand of God. We are victorious, brother. So, you know, I used to be surprised always, you know, when people would say, well, the church is suffering now, and it's like, what are you talking about? We're not suffering. I'm, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life. I'm eating. living a good <laughs> life right now, man. This is this is life. This is great. This, we're victorious. I mean, but I yeah. understand, you know, why they come to those conclusions. And again, we were just talking about not understanding the context of Scripture, not applying Scripture correctly. And that's why we have a lot of what does uh, our beloved Pastor Brian call them uh, years back ago in a, in, a, in, a, in a sermon. He said, the churches is filled with a lot, of, a lot of ignorant Christians. And it's true. A lot of ignorant Christians of the word of God, not understanding the word of God or even seeking to understand the word of God. They just go with what they believe it is. And that's it. They sit in, they set it in stone and there's no other way they can comprehend it unless you challenge them at that. And they allow for their paradigm to be shifted. If not, they're going to continue with this brother, right? Correct. And that was you and me before God knocked us upside the head and shook oh, absolutely. us up. You know, it, God had to knock us, us upside the head to get us to get out of that mess, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Out, of, out of that way of thinking, you know, that mm -hmm. paradigm, which we were stuck in. We, we can't seem to think outside of our, our false paradigms. And then we read our false paradigms into scripture and convince ourselves that that's what scripture actually says when it doesn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, and, it, and in reference to prophecy specifically, in mm -hmm. times talk and all that, um, I mean, the church is pretty much on the on the same page when it comes to salvation. When it comes Absolutely. to the concept of you know the justification by faith through Christ alone, faith alone by grace uh, alone without works. I mean, the judge, the, the church is. Um, for the most part is on page with each other on that one and on the concept of sanctification that you know the god is sanctifying his people the the basics like that the church is doing really really good with that really good but when it comes to eschatology we get really way off on the deep end and get really wacky Mm. And we're going to have to straighten this eschatology issue down. Eschatology, just a fancy word meaning the, the study of the end times. Um, and so it's clear when you when you look at the clear timing statements of Scripture, and there's not enough time in these podcasts to give a full course on prophecy. I mean that would that's a that's a very deep and involved deal. Um, but um, when you look at it, all the timing statements and the, 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 the context of the scripture, it's, you begin to see that there is a big contrast between scripture and the modern prophecy expert um, narrative of 
oh, Putin's the Antichrist and Russia is going to, is Gog and Magog and Russia is going to invade Israel and all of that nonsense. Um, there's a huge gap, a huge gulf between that and what scripture actually is talking about, what it says. The purpose of, the whole purpose was to bring forth the Messiah and to bring salvation. And from that foundation, Christ being the cornerstone, his kingdom would be built and it would be the church that would build it. Okay. And, um, and then you look at the, the um, coming down of the temple, that was the final end in 70 AD of the old covenant. The last remnant of the old covenant was destroyed in AD 70. The temple's no longer physical. The temple's now spiritual. The, the, the principle is found out of Hebrews, where the old covenant is physical and the new covenant is spiritual. Okay? And so Hebrews clearly states that. And so the temple of the new covenant is not physical. It's spiritual. Well, what is the spiritual temple of the new covenant? It's the church. And now that is not replacement theology. We're not replacing the church with Israel, but replacing Israel with the church. What we're doing is we're grafting the church into Israel. The church is Israel and always has been Israel. In the old covenant, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the church. All redeemed people throughout time of human time have been the church. The church is not some new concept that was thought up by God on the day, on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The church made a big transformation on Acts 2 because the, uh, the uh, work of uh, redeeming us from our sins had been completed. But the church has existed uh, from the time of the first person that was God gave justification uh, from their sins. Uh-huh. And he's, he said of Ab- Abraham, Abraham believed God and God counted it for, to, to him for righteousness. God redeems us according to his will and he redeemed Abraham and, and, and he was part of the church. And so, uh, no, we're not replacing Israel with the church. Israel is the church and the church is Israel. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans when he's talking about the church being grafted in and he's talking about all that. Um, you can't in the new covenant separate the two. They are one in the same. And to separate them based upon Gentile Jew ethnicity today is to really totally misunderstand scripture. Yeah. That was old covenant because the purpose of the Jews was to bring forth the Messiah. They fulfilled their purpose. And what a great and mighty and important purpose it was. But today... Paul tells us in Romans, there's no Jew and no Gentile. In other words, we're all the same in Christ. We're all spiritual Jews in Christ. And a Jew that is not a spiritual Jew is not a Jew. And to be a spiritual Jew, you have to be in Christ. So no, there's none of this stuff about Israel's is going to be restored in the end time. And you know, sometime in our future, physical Israel will be restored and all that. No, God... 
I don't know how he would do it when they've intermarried so much and there's really no purity in their ethnicity anymore. But that's not a problem anymore because the purity is spiritual, not physical. Can mm -hmm. we get the, can we get that through our heads? <laughs> the purity is spiritual uh, redemption and in spiritual sanctification. That is Israel today. And like I said, no, it's not replacement theology. It's what the scripture has been saying all the way through scripture. Back to you, brother. <laughs> I don't think I can add anything else to that, brother. Uh, it's pretty, pretty clear. And uh, I'm glad that we're able to touch on these things. And I'm glad we're able to address them because it's important. Uh, you know, like you were mentioning a little bit earlier uh, in regards to our paradigm being shifted, we have to allow for us to be challenged in our, in our belief, in our faith, and go to scripture, you know, to, sell, to see whether these things are so. Because, again, we're, we're going to fall into the same, uh, uh, you know, revolving door. Oh, another end times thing going on. Another war that's at the end times. Oh, Gog and Magog again. You know, things of that nature. Which won't allow us to truly understand the context of Scripture. Right. And, and, and right. man, back, you know, again, before we we got to this point, you know, I we would read Scripture, understand it as best we could, but there wasn't really, to me, it felt more burden-esque instead of you know having more peace and freedom of things to when i started understanding bro i felt peace joy the comfort of god's word that it's like wow look at this this is this is truly what you're supposed to feel as a church it's uh, a burden lifted off the shoulders isn't it absolutely you get, you get all those false paradigms yeah absolutely they and i think down right and i think one of the things also it's a lot of people i you know i believe also there's some that don't want to even be challenged or they know they have to go there, but they don't want to because they're afraid of what everybody else is going to think of them. Right. I mean, we've been blackballed for, you know, uh, teaching this. We've been, you know, not liked because, you know, we, we talk uh, in these terms and we say, no, this has nothing to do with biblical end times. We've been telling, you know, I've been told you're off your rocker, bro. Uh, you know, everybody believes this, but you don't come on. You're not even a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I understand that, and that's uh, that's going to happen. Uh, but I think in time, over time, maybe a few generations, uh, that mentality is going to wane, and it's not going to be uh, as prominent as it is today. Um, and it's it's just human nature. We get stuck into our paradigms, like I said, and we can't get out of them. Um, it's hard to get out of them. Absolutely. But but I think the thing that's going to just continue to obliterate that whole mentality is false prediction after false prediction after false prediction after false prediction no it's so true and i think nowadays we're seeing more where people are starting to question more bro you know uh, uh last time i was checking or looking more into you know our type of belief which is covenant scatology slash uh, preterism there's a lot more people looking into preterism slash covenant and scatology. More people asking the questions. There, some of these uh, 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 social groups that I go into that has to do with preterism. Uh, there's a lot of new people that I see around asking the questions. Hey, you know, I I I, I used to be, you know, a premillennialist or blah blah blah, but 
that none of that stuff has happened. I'm looking into preterism. I heard or somebody asked me, you know, so you start seeing a lot more people being interested in it, which is a blessing, you know, because right. people are actually that are being challenged are starting to be open. The Lord's softening their hearts towards you know, getting into these things and checking them out with scripture and asking the questions in the right places. That's a good thing. The thing is, is that uh, it, if they're up against a difficult um, tradition, I guess. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, uh, and now you know that the uh, post-millennialists have always been preterist. You know, and that's oh, yeah. the thing is that, uh, and, and, the, and the, the, they just don't like the name, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like covenant eschatology. I think that's a good, good, better description. But, um, you know, they, when they came over to the new world and quote, end quote, to America and back in the 14, 15, 1600s, they were mostly uh, covenant eschatology. They were mostly post-millennial. Uh, this, this shift occurred uh, with uh, Darby, with C.I. Schofield. Right. Um, and it's only and a few hundred kind of, years old, right, brother? 300 years old, maybe? Uh, maybe Two? maybe a couple hundred. Yeah. Years. Well, we're in, we're in the 21st century now. Yeah, probably close to 300 years old. Because um, in the 1800s is when it really kind of got started. Right. And C.I. Schofield really popularized it in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the president of uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, um, dispensationalism really took off really heavy. Yeah. Um, Clarence Larkin wrote Dispensational Truth and Rightly Dividing the Word. And uh, those two books just took off real heavy. And C.I. Schofield put out his Schofield Reference Bible with uh, dispensational uh, eschatological theology in it. And a lot of people bought that Bible for the footnotes and uh, were really taking the footnotes uh, seriously. Uh -huh. And that really just launched the whole thing really heavy. And then Hal Lindsey came out with the late great planet Earth. And I remember my, my brother, uh, <laughs> he, he showed me that. He was the first one to show me that book. And he was really excited about it. And this was back in the 70s. So wow. Yeah. And um and so, yeah, so I tried, I read it and, uh, and then, uh, he wrote a couple other ones and, um, he made some predictions that didn't come true. None of his predictions came true. And then, uh, I guess the, uh, when building the roof on the dispensational house was, uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins with the mm -hmm. Left Behind series. Oh yeah. Um, and then the movie millionaires, started. bro, they became millionaires. Oh, they sold a lot of copies. Well, that movies, movie, right? It, movies. They, they had a lot of movies started coming out, and so it it just got to the point where you know the whole Hollywood and book world uh, kind of defined for the church what their eschatology was going to be. Yeah, and it didn't. And, and really brother, come, sorry you know? to interrupt there, but I was just thinking of something when things like this happens. You know, it seems that that trend happens. Things get sensationalized, and then the you know, the, they start making gazillion of dollars, and then all of a sudden it becomes it becomes a, 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 you know a business. You know, because I, I think at one point I looked into you know yes, they're nonprofit quote unquote on their ministry, but it's almost everything else is done business like, 
which yeah, yeah, you uh, think about the centralization of thing, corporation. You're right, corporation, yeah. and, and it's like wow, whatever happened? First of all, like you said, you know, a lot of these predictions never happened. They they're don't. Not happen. gonna, they're not going to happen. No, they never and did. you made all these millions of dollars. Uh, wouldn't you feel that you should give that money back because you were wrong on your predictions? I don't know. Just some thought, you know. Well, that's yeah, that's tough, brother, huh? That's Sorry, tough. I, I, I got to play no, advocate a lot of times. I you know think, what I mean? You I should give that money back. You, you were wrong. I think it's an appropriate comment because it, it it misleads a lot of people. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that people base their lives on it, and they make mm-hmm. they make life decisions based upon that. Bro, how many you people know? have quit their job, cashed their last check because the the number in their check, the last three numbers, guess what? What was it? Six, six, six. Right? Yeah. The whole 666 six, six thing has just gone bonkers. Social security numbers that have 666 six, six in it. What do you think happened to those people? They asked for a different social security number. I mean, come on. That's almost to the point of being superstitious because that's not what the book of Revelation was talking about when it used that number. It used it in the sense of gematria yeah. for the Greek language, and it spelled out Nero. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's why it's spelled yeah. out. People say, no, that was 616. Well, if it's Latin, yeah, because they had Latin Vulgate back then. They also had the Greek Greek uh, um, uh, translation of the old covenant books called the uh, Septuagint. But, yeah, if you did it in Latin, okay. But uh, if you do it in Greek, yeah. it's 666. Mm-hmm. And it's Nero. Yep. And it fits perfectly the prophecy. And the people that read it in the first century, the Christians read it in the first century, they knew exactly what the apostle was saying. Yeah. We oh. don't know today because we're not we're not living their history. Right. But they were living their history and they understood it. And boy, did they get out of Jerusalem because it remembered all of the discourse Christ oh, said, yeah. when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem leave get out now like like iron <laughs> maiden uh, like iron maiden sings in their heavy metal song run to the hills that you know run to the hills that's what you need yeah, to run do run to the hills <laughs> yeah it was it ccr saying uh, uh running in what running in the jungle or something anyway yeah yeah that's right. <laughs> anyway. exactly no they, I mean, it yeah. applies right it applies so but, you know. that's exactly what they did mm-hmm. absolutely uh, when the roman army came and surrounded them which is which was armies of the world at the mm-hmm. time people don't get that no that was one nation no that was an empire of many nations exactly. and uh they had if you read Josephus, remember the had, 10 segments you were talking about it yeah, was the 10 segments yeah <laughs> They had, you know, they had different uh, battalions there from the different nations. They had the Italian battalion, and they had the German battalion, and they had the, you know, I mean, it was like, it was all Rome. And uh, the the different battalions did things differently, right? Mm -hmm. Remember that, brother? I mean, some of them were really cruel, and some of them were not as cruel. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, that was the surrounding of Jerusalem in AD 70. Mm. And uh, I'm going to throw a name out there, brother, that uh, would completely agree with us on this. It's going to shock people. R.C. Sproul. Yes. I missed that, brother. R.C. Sproul had the same eschatology. It was past fulfilled. Now, now not the 
the last coming of Christ. He, he still held to the last coming of Christ in our future. But when it came to everything else, when it came to the tribulation, when it came to the Antichrist, when it came to Gog and Magog and all that, past fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Read yep. his book, The Last Days According to Jesus. Yeah, excellent book. Yeah. Excellent book. Very good book. No, you brought up great points, brother. And I like the fact that you said uh, deception, you know. Um, people have been, and to me, I see it as deception, you know. And whether these folks have not been have not been convicted, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit convicts them. Because, I mean, when I read that scriptures, when you are going to teach, you are to approach it with fear and trembling, right? Of what you're going to teach, it's correct. And according to God's word, man, yeah. <sighs> to get something bad like that you know and and not truly preach it correctly i mean there should be some fear in that and when you are challenged i believe that you should take that challenge seriously and you should go and review everything that you have stood on and and let it if it's going to crumble it's going to crumble and therefore you can in turn you know it's nothing wrong with accepting when you're wrong and and apologizing asking for forgiveness and start teaching the right thing because the god's going to honor you know god's being honor and not only that god's going to bless you beyond you know, anything else you can have gained from teaching or misleading people. That's true. Yes. Now, let me, let me say this. We're not intending to put anyone down, disparage anyone or calling, you know, to um, be bad mouthing anyone in a sense Um for the eschatology that they believe okay if you're you know futurist um, whether it be amillennial or if you're futurist uh, premillennial or premillennial dispensationalist we still love you in christ if you're if you're truly our brother and sister if you truly know christ as your savior we still love you in christ and we we are going we'll fellowship with you and we will hug on you and we will be there when you need us you know, uh, we're not going to let this be something that separates us. Um, you know, um, we'll be patient, gracious, gracious. Um, we're not, we're not going to start badgering people and banging other people over the head with this. The reason we're saying this is because right now people are under kind of a dark cloud of, of depression and a dark cloud of, um, life looking pretty bleak on the world scene and uh we want to give you a brighter view of the future kind of pick up your spirits a little bit because mm-hmm. when you listen to these people making these predictions i, I was on gab today brother and i what i started watching a video that was going into all of that you know this no. in your future you know you need to repent now because you yeah, know yeah, yeah. this this video actually predicted based upon eschatology that 200 million americans would lose their life soon ouch I mean, that's, that's the kind of, that, you know, an authoritative voice, you know, and this is what the Bible says. And this was, the Lord told me, I ended up turning it off. I'm just like, Oh, good (laughs) night. I can't handle this. Oh my goodness. And you know, so you hear that kind of stuff and you think, Oh my goodness, this is, we're going to, you know, there's no rapture yet. Oh, we're going to live through the tribulation. And you start thinking like that. Right. No, none of that's (laughs) going to happen. Oh my um, God! Live your life. 
raise your families, take care of your wife, take or, or your husband, whichever the case may be, take care of your kids, your grandkids, um, honor God, continue living your life and look for a brighter future because it's coming folks. There's a brighter future coming. Amen. Not death and destruction. I, you know, I don't know why people are so locked in on other people dying so harshly. <laughs> Why? Why? You know, Lindsey Graham wanted to, he's calling for the um, assassination of Putin. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so you know, bad. I mean, these people love blood and guts. You know, I mean, I yeah. think, are they, are they all Patton? <laughs> well, and that's the problem, brother. They, they, they see that those people there again then we talk about people in the news those are the bad people those are the evil ones you know we're not you know we, we we don't we're not capable of doing those things and not understanding the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked man you are capable of the same evil that all these guys out there have done or you know so, and when so, you yeah. use evil to fight evil you become evil <laughs> Oh, yeah. E when you evil use, plus evil. Evil equals twice the evil. Right. <laughs> when you use, you know, uh, when you use totalitarianism and evil to fight totalitarianism and the cabal, you become the cabal. Yeah, you're just yeah. replacing one cabal with another cabal. Yep. You're no different than the people you're trying to take down. You're calling them evil, and then you become the one that's evil when you take over. Because, you know, <laughs> meet the new boss. He's the same as the old boss. Remember that song by the mm, Who? Yes. Meet the new boss. Meet He's the, the same boss. as that's the right. old boss. The same as the old. That's right. Meet the new that's cabal. Right. It's the same, same as, as the, the old, old cabal. Yeah. But they thought they were the good guys because they were taking down the bad guys, but they mm -hmm. turned out to be the bad guys themselves. I mean, that's <laughs> how we end up. So, we, you know, look, folks, we got to think better than this. Yep. We don't win unless we have the love of Christ in our hearts and we love our enemies and we love our friends and our neighbors and our brothers and sisters of Christ. And love has many aspects to it, including bearing the burden of love, mm. enduring, patience, right? Yes. And not falsely accusing people of something they're not guilty of and not falsely accusing the brethren. Oh, he doesn't believe premillennial dispensationalism. He's the Antichrist. Or he's <laughs> he's a heretic or he's right. a, it's a cult or stop. OK, <laughs> please just stop. Let's get our heads about us. And yeah, we're going to have little differences because, you know, I mean, you know just, we're talking about 66 books that are spiritually inspired and must be spiritually interpreted. Not an easy task, is it? Right. We're going to have little differences. I mean, is it pedo baptism or is it believer's baptism? Right. Mm -hmm. Is the communion transubstantiation? Or is it the very presence of Christ? Or is it a memorial? Or is it a memorial with a sense of presence of Christ? I mean, there's four different views of the communion. <laughs> Which one is right, right? Yeah. Well, transubstantiation can toss that one out the window for sure. But, <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, here's the point. Uh, we're going to have our little differences, right? Yep. We got to learn to live with each other with that. Absolutely. And God will sort it out. Amen. As we yield to the spirit and continue to debate out the scriptures. Good stuff, but bro. God will sort it out.
That's great stuff. Stay encouraged, folks. Stay encouraged. Good stuff, my brother. That was amazing. Um, I think it's a good spot to start our ending. But for our ending, I got something new. And again, we do things on the fly, right? So instead yeah, of grinding, fly keeps showing up. Keep right? showing up, right? Instead of grinding your gears today, I'm gonna call this segment "Name That Preacher." Okay, so you I'll know read. I'm bad with names, bro. Well, try to figure <laughs> out brain. There's a reason why your nickname is Brain. All right, I know sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> Sometimes you know, the brain you, fails. You, I was going to say, you are getting up there in age. You know, <laughs> I'll give you that. Okay, all right. <laughs> but this is, this is actually, you're going to find it interesting. You're going to find it like, what? So, here we go. Here we go, folks. Brain, name that preacher. <laughs> Renowned Southern Baptist preacher, blank, who denounced critical race theory and the social justice movement in his latest book, I'm not going to give you the book because you will know, Blank confirmed Friday that he has been asked to accept a nomination for SBC president. In responding to questions from the Christian Post about the prospect of his nomination, which was first rumored online, Blank, who considers himself an outsider in the halls of power of the nation's largest Protestant denomination, said he isn't sure he is eligible to accept the nomination. Uh, Quoting this blank brother, or blank brother, I should say, I have indeed been asked to accept the nomination for SBC president. While I am honored to have been asked, I am not sure I am eligible. Blank said in a statement, There are questions about the way church membership is considered for missionaries, SBC Article 2 and Article 8. Blank, 52 years old, currently serves, this is going to give it away and I'll read it, as Dean of Theology at African Christian University in Zambia and board member of Founders Ministries, a conservative group within the SBC dedicated to the biblical reformation of local churches. Article, well actually, let me skip that part. It says, uh, his understanding, it says here, blank told the Christian Post, my sending church because he's a missionary, obviously, in Africa. The church I planted has always practiced has always practiced regenerate resident church membership. Unfortunately, this is not common practice in many SBC churches. As such, we have always believed that missionaries sent to the field needed to join local churches in order to be shepherded properly. Unfortunately, since the SBC is an American entity, that means missionaries who leave the United States must either practice non-resident membership, which I am convinced is unbiblical, or join a local church and be technically outside the SBC while being counted as SBC missionaries. Uh, So he calls this a huge problem in foreign missions. Um... He said it sends a, a, a terrible message to those whom we serve. Uh, let's see. Uh oh, he's gonna go get something. He's got a clue, bro. He's got a clue. He's he's gotten a clue, folks. His uh, light bulb went off. 
And it says here in closing, I am a missionary sent by an SBC church, supported by an SBC church, reporting to an SBC church, but am technically not a member of that SBC church because my family and I entrusted our souls to a healthy indigenous local Baptist church at the behest of our SBC church. Hence, it appears my commitment to missions and biblical church membership has rendered me ineligible to any office of the SBC at least that's the way I read it. So and then it goes on. Ed Litton's not, Litton's not gonna be. He's not gonna seek re-election. Obviously, he has a lot of drama. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, brother. Uh, with that red, name that brother. Used to roll in jujitsu with Jeff Stein. Bodie oh, oh. <laughs> Our brother Bodie. I couldn't think of his name. I had to go look. Ah, you had to go look. <laughs> I had a I had a blank moment. You knew when I said yeah. the uh, the dean of African Christian University yeah. in Zambia that gave it, it away. Said that, I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't even read the title of his book. Obviously, it's it's in referencing the fi- uh, fault lines, the social yep. justice movement, evangelicalism. Um, right. But brother, just the fact that he was asked. To be considered for a nomination, what do you think would happen to the SBC, bro? Oh, good night. The shakeup would be in. Oh, jeez, that would be a nuclear explosion. Oh, absolutely. Season. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean that, that place would. There would be civil war. <laughs> yeah, <SBC>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, Just be, not only his, no. you know his belief and stance on on mm-hmm. on uh, uh, the wokeism, you know and the social justice movement and all that, his opposition to that. And on top of that, his opposition or his views on women in the church. Right. Yeah. What do you, oh, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Do uh, what's her phase? Uh, Moore. Oh, not not um, Beth Moore. How do you think she would feel? <laughs> Is she still a part of the SBC? Well, last I heard, she was supposedly left it or was leaving, but yeah, she always I think keeps went, posting stuff and saying stuff. Uh, so. Last I heard, they, last I saw, she went Episcopal. Oh, really? Wow. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it was Episcopal. Wow. That, that's, that's a... Yeah, that's a they, way left turn there. <laughs> well, they're, they're a lot more accepting, right? Uh, of, yeah, absolutely, view, right, right. So, but yeah, that's what I heard. So, yeah, I, I, I think some of them have left SBC. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot going on in the SBC, but I was completely blown away mm-hmm. that, and he confirmed this. I think he confirmed it uh, this Friday that he had, was asked to accept the nomination for the SBC president. Uh, I don't know if that he would take it. I mean, wh- what he's doing and, and what, you know, what no, he teaches. I'm sure he would take, if he was to take it, he would take it as a challenge, you know, and. I, you know, it's, of course, we're trying to get into the mind, Bodhi's mind, but yeah. I think Bodhi's more dedicated to pro- teaching young men to uh, continue the faith, you know. Oh yeah. Um, I think he has his heart is with the seminary and with um, teaching, with with really bringing Africa out of the of the dark years mm-hmm. and bring them into the light. I think that's his heart. Oh, I don't yeah, think absolutely. He, I don't. I frankly, I don't think he has any interest. No, in, I don't think so either. You know, in, his, yeah. in his, I mean, that's just a quagmire mire mess. That who who can straighten that mess out? But God. Yeah, absolutely. You know? 
and um it would it would disrupt what he's doing now so uh, why would he why would he even bother like why would sure. anybody want to run for president of the united states right i mean that's just, <laughs> right? exactly I mean, who would want Whoa. that job right exactly oh <laughs> so, man it's like yeah so i mean it's kind of like that right so yeah. i mean so yeah I, I couldn't see him being interested in that i mean even yeah. more to get, than i could see paul washer being in, interested in it right? <laughs> oh man yep, I yep. Mean, yeah. wow yeah. yeah no that, that's amazing but, uh, that, by that, the way, that, that was interesting uh-huh. By the way, pray for Corey. Uh, oh, okay. My, my son-in-law. Um, he's got three offers mm. uh, in ministry. One of them with Paul Washer, and um, he's struggling on which direction to go. Mm. He's, he's struggling to know what God's will is on on those avenues. So, um, so pray that that God would make it clear. Oh, praise the Lord. We will. Definitely. That's a good brother for everybody to keep in mind and uh, Mm -hmm. just think of uh, the brain's uh, son-in-law. Great man of God, and the Lord's going to use him mightily wherever, you know, he makes the choice to go and uh, Mm -hmm. follow God's will on that. Uh, Good stuff, brother. With that said, bro, I think uh, we're good to go. All right. Well, continue to pray for... Ukraine, pray for Russia, pray for uh, Donetsk and Lunkex, uh, pray for those four nations because they are embroiled in a difficult situation right now. And for, fortunately, the uh, stuff coming out in the media about uh, civilians being targeted, it's, it's all false. Um, a lot of the stuff coming out in on the main in American media is false concerning what's going on over there. So, just pray that, that the truth will be known and that God will give those people that the people who are embroiled in that wisdom, that, that those who have evil intentions, that God would deal with them, and that maybe some would come to Christ. Yeah, good thing. So, just pray for those. Anyway, with that, I'm going to go ahead and end it, brother. End it, brother. Okay, remember, folks, keep your mind sharp and heart clear. We'll see you next podcast. And we'll catch you on that flip side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. It's a blessing to have you. We hope that you continue to enjoy the future episodes and to tune in and share away with others that might be interested. Uh, we wanted to thank our families for supporting us, especially our wives, that uh, they put up with us. They allow us to have time to study and spend time uh, in the Word of God. And uh, in return, they help us as well and they keep us accountable. It's a blessing to have them in our lives. So we want to especially thank them. I uh, also want to thank uh, our church, uh, our friends, and men study that we have that we continue to encourage, be encouraged about I want to thank all these people because they support us and pray for us and uh, it's a blessing to have in our life other than that I hope you continue to enjoy the Vortex Apologetic Podcast that we will talk to you soon more episodes to come your way other than that I'm out we're out God bless you 